Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Canadian Lena Rossler is a quadruple threat. She's an actress, director, writer, and producer. Lena's acting credits include a recurring role on Lost Girl and numerous appearances on such series as Private Eyes, Murdoch Mysteries, Supernatural, and Killjoys. Lena made her directorial debut with three short films, Little Whispers, The Vow, Winter, Mustard Seed, all of which received critical acclaim and were screened at dozens of festivals. Her feature-length screenplay, The Rescuer, placed in the top 10 at the Canadian Film Festival Screenplay Competition and the Vancouver Women in Film Screenplay Competition. She was one of 10 writers across Canada invited to attend the Toronto Film Festival's Writers Studio. Lena's first feature, Bestsellers, is an official co-production between Canada and the UK, and it stars the legendary Michael Caine and is a funny, heartfelt story of a young woman who takes over her father's publishing company and has nearly driven it into the ground with the release of titles that have, in a word, bombed. However, she's owed a book by Caine's character, Harris Shaw, a reclusive, angry, hard-drinking author who originally put the company on the map years earlier. Eventually, the two joined forces in ways they least expected. Lena studied English and creative writing at Canada's Concordia University. She has an MFA in film production from York University and a performance degree from the American Academy of Dramatic Art in New York. So let's meet and get to know Lena Rossler. Welcome and thanks so much for joining me remotely from Toronto. Thanks, Sandy. Hello, everyone. Happy to be here. Lena. I'd like to start at the very beginning. Where did uh, all this acting stuff get started? Was this something you wanted to do from way back in the day? No. um, You know, I think like probably a lot of kids, I wanted to just live. Well, maybe this is not like a lot of kids, but I always wanted to live on an island with every animal in the world and be a veterinarian or something like that. Okay, that's not like what I wanted to do No, it's not. Okay. Okay. goldfish and they died so (laughs) (laughs) that happened to everyone too though I mean it's yeah so but I ended up doing a play in eighth grade and uh, it was a play about the holocaust Hmm. and I got completely just it it just completely like enveloped in this in this play And, and I started doing all this research and reading and you know I was about 12 years old and I became completely obsessed um and I was just taken by this this story and I would sit at dinner and I you know I have three sisters and my parents I'd be like did you guys know that this happened and did you guys know that this happened and mm. I was so absorbed and then um you know my father told me I took me aside and he said actually this is part of your history but we'd uh-huh. never really talked about it mm-hmm. and then that completely floored me and I I had this sort of this this strong feeling that wow you know stories and theater and play this is this is what we have to do to educate people we have to you know in this 12 year old righteous kind of well um, that's impressive it's bringing history to life and never forgetting the past that's That's huge and educating people and because I was so taken even just as a kid but by this story and I was already you know empathetic and 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 couldn't believe that you know this had happened in on on this planet in this world you know mm-hmm. I was a naive mm-hmm. kid and then to find out that it was also something that had happened to my family personally it, it was a it was it was sort of a, a revelation and then then I thought oh wow okay I need to I want to 
to do something about this. But before that, I was always writing stories and my mom has, <laughs> she still has it somewhere, but apparently when I was even three years old, I was just telling stories and she, she over, would overhear me telling these long, complicated stories to my sisters and she would write them down. There's one called Emily and the Tooth Fairy that she wrote down in a long strip. So I was just always making things up, always telling stories, always uh, living in a kind of creative world of imagination. And um, yeah, so all of that came really naturally to me. And then the sort of theatrical performative part came uh, in eighth grade after doing that play. And Is that then, not yeah. odd that you did a play with that kind of intensity at that age? Not that we should hide the past by any stretch. Yeah, it's true. It's a play called Ghetto by Joshua Sobel, I think, if I remember. <laughs> this is again, this is an eighth grade. And I guess it was a way of educating the kids at that point. So we didn't show any violence, anything like that. It wasn't uh, but it was it was sort of a, a real learning educational experience. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I kept taking um theater lessons and then yeah, and then um you know, I, I was a, I was a good student and uh, I was always great in English and literature and stuff like that. And then auditioned to, to go to theater school in New York. And then I, I moved there and then started learning how to act. (laughs) That was something that you felt in your heart and soul, that that's what you wanted to do, that you wanted to express yourself in that way. At that point in my life, Yes, it was mm-hmm. either I was going to, um, but it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go and sort of be a star. Kind Take of thing. Broadway by storm. It really wasn't that. It was something to do more with like telling the truth. And I oh. was, and I was always thinking about what, what does that mean? Like, what is the difference between truth and imagination? What, what is this line? You know, well, how can, how can the stories we tell be stories, but also be true? You know, mm-hmm. wh- why, why are things like memory, why can those change, you know, but, but also be true for one person and not the other person. Sure. So all of that was kind of mixed up and it was a way to try to be authentic. And, and also, you know, I guess, I guess, you know, I, I was anti-secrets because that, for example, was, was a secret in my family. I that was I buried. Felt, yeah. yeah, it was buried. Mm-hmm. Felt, oh, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't privy to that. I didn't know that. Why? why shouldn't we know this? And, right. and why don't I know this? So, so this idea of, um, of telling stories, but uh, to tell a truth, you know, sounds really, it's sort of naive and, and also kind of, a, I don't know, a pie in the sky kind of stuff, but I was, no, I don't think it sounds naive <laughs> at all. I think it sounds, I don't know, like a, an intensity and a commitment that, was important to you and not for nothing as I mentioned that you got a degree from the American Academy and let's focus on these two words dramatic art yes that's sort of (laughs) what you saw yourself doing in in terms of acting I'm assuming yeah yeah and that was theater I also loved you know as I said I was also my family were constantly going vacation and read books together you know it wasn't like we were full of activity so we were constantly reading and so I think reading and plays like it's it's not it's not only performative it's uh it's the words you know that the that really I had this really strong feeling of how these words have meaning and um to be very careful with how you use mm. words um mm-hmm. and how they have this sort of power 
and a magic, you know, so I was, I was really taken by a, a real literary, even now I, I think I take things way too literally, sometimes, <laughs> you know, so, but it, so now if I look at that, it all makes total sense, you know, in hindsight, how, how I've ended up talking to you today mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on this sort of strange journey of, of life, but yeah, starting, I guess, with acting and then, and then writing and then both of those spokes in the same wheel of storytelling as right. that goes with directing, which is what I'm going to be speaking to you about as well, I guess. So, yeah. So you're in this play in the eighth grade, but then saying you were good, a good student in English and probably having this desire or need to write as well. You know, it's interesting that you went the performance route as opposed to the writing route initially. Yeah. So you never thought you'd major in English when you were in college or that you would you would write well, fiction, it was, nonfiction? It was definitely that. And I think with play, I mean, I, I was never writing play, but I was always writing stories like constantly, constantly, constantly. The idea of going to, um, to theater school, somehow because of the play and because of the, that play that I did, and then, you know, I kept, kept sort of doing that in high school. But I think it also had to do with this feeling of going to going to New York City and going to this theater school. And I guess there was some kind of like mythology around that too. I could go study English literature and I, and I did. I, I also, you know, I got accepted to Queen's University and other great programs in nice universities in Canada. And I was offered a scholarship and things like that. But I was really adamant about, and so my parents just thought, well, we'll let her just get it out of her system <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, we'll let her sure. do this. Mm-hmm. But then... I've got lots of stories to tell you, but then I went to school, theater school there, and then I did an off-Broadway play, and I had an understudy who reported me to immigration. And oh, did you not yeah, have a green card? I had I had a student visa, which had just expired. Okay. And then, um, but after that, and, and that's another story, I got to do that play, everything was fine, but then after that, my parents were like, look, you gave it a go, this is too crazy, you know, they're like, you're, you're an academic, this is really what, who you are. So you you need to go to university. So then I actually studied English literature and creative writing mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. in Montreal. So then those things, and I got into that program based on this novella that I'd been writing while I was in New York. I never stopped writing. It was always something I was doing. But so obviously somewhere in your heart, as well as your head, you knew that you could pursue these parallel loves and that both of those were bigger than you. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. And that they were somehow, they're part of the same thing. In school, I, when I was studying English literature, I studied Shakespeare, you know. And so it's sort of like the, the, this love of words, but mm-hmm. language and spoken mm-hmm. words that, that can, when you speak them and not only reading them alone in your room or writing them alone in your room, when you speak them to somebody else, they absorb that. Absolutely. Or they don't. Or they don't, which also happens a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or they absorb it in a different way. But there is, this is a communication that you're having in real time. And what I loved about that play, and this is maybe would answer your question a bit better. I think that feeling of working with other people together to kind of give this sort of common goal. We're all doing it. We all want the same thing. We all are passionate about it together. And, and there's a kind of real beauty in that. Oh, for sure. And like working together, you know, common goal, being a writer can be a lonely thing. You're on your own, you're doing, you know, you're in your own head. Or, or even- and then, and then when you 
show it to somebody and you're taking your clothes off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's huge. Yeah. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. definitely a big deal. So I think, yeah, in a way they're, they're, that that has a lot to do with it. I think the being together, working with people together and versus the sort of solo kind of thing. Like together, You were able they- to marry both of those, which is really great. Yeah. But, so you have this rather successful acting career. How did you make the switch or what was the catalyst to go behind the camera, so to speak? It's also kind of funny. I was doing a TV show, but I'd also, as I said, I was constantly writing. So I, I written a, a book of short stories. So I had 50 short stories, but they were very short, one page short stories. And I sent them to this publisher in Montreal and, and they were like, oh, this is great, but can you write 50 more? Oh my God. And I was like, oh my God, exactly. <laughs> and then I, in this really weird uh, act of procrastination, instead of writing 50 more, I took one and I made it into a short screenplay. And then with that, I, back to this visa thing, being Canadian, trying to get to ah, the States, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I used that short film and I, and I had a friend of a friend who, who was a producer in LA And I used that short film to help me get a visa to go to the States to do acting in pilot season. Because I said, oh, I'm going to go act in pilot season and I'm also going to make this short. And then I ended up actually making the short film for real. And while I was in in L.A. for pilot season, all I was doing was doing the short. I wasn't even suddenly everything else sort of went out the window and we started, you know, casting these actors we started looking for locations and then we made this um short film and all these happy accidents happened we sent it to a great post-production facility and they're they're like oh we never do this we only do this once a year but we give um we give grants to certain filmmakers so we we got all these doors open and some it was sort of this miracle thing we made this short and then that short went to its first festival and it won an award (laughs) Wow, this is this is movie material. It is because, and it was so ridiculous. I can't, I can't tell you how me and the producer, my friend Alyssa, we had partied the night before. The award ceremony was like a Sunday morning, and it just didn't occur to us. We slept in um, Uh on the Sunday morning because clearly nobody gives a shit about us. Yeah, it never even. And then the phone starts ringing, all this stuff, and then you know, it's like, where are you guys? You won. You won this award for what your year short was that? film. Oh God, maybe 2017. Oh, so no, relatively recently. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, okay. Oh, and then mm-hmm. I did one sort of every, and then I thought, okay, that's great. It worked. And then, oh, maybe we should do this again. So I took another short story from that collection that of 50 short stories that I was still procrastinating writing more. And I took that one I, and I applied to grants and made that into a film it got into festivals and we got grants. Then I thought, oh, I should really study how to make films. Then I did a master's at York in film production. And the third short was my thesis film. And it all kind of just happened. Obviously, I worked my ass off and, and uh, did a, a lot to make all these things happen. But it sort of happened naturally in a way. And then that kind of brings me to how I, I got to best seller. But now I feel like I'm rambling. So I don't know. Yeah. Nothing really stands in your way. You know, this, again, my standard phrase of the strong sense of self, I'm completely 
taken by that. And, you know, I've been around the block. I'm no spring chicken, but I am just still, and I'm thrilled about that. But that's this tie that binds. You know, where did you get off thinking you could do that? Well, you did. And you just kept on keeping on. Yeah, I think it's a total naivete <laughs> that kind of was like almost a lucky charm, but in the same way, because there was there were no expectations. So maybe maybe women have that. I don't I don't know, but maybe it's not like, you know, maybe that maybe that's not entirely true. But at least for me, I did like like me and my friend Alyssa, the producer of that first short film. We just did the best we could, you know, without kind of this idea of like, oh, well, now we're we're doing it so that we can, I don't know whatever, win a short uh, Oscar for our, our short film or, mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. you know, we're just trying to do it. We're trying to, it's, it's also like a joy. We're getting it done. We're trying to do it. And then it's sort of a happy accident when it, when it works, you know, and then having low expectations, maybe sometimes is, is a, you know, is a lucky thing because there's no pressure in these stories, for example, in the short films, I knew exactly what the story, well, I wrote it, you know, I, I know I can see it. I know what I would expect from it. I think at least for these short films, you know, I wrote the stories that they were based on. I wrote the scripts. I had a really strong viewpoint of, of what I I could see them already. You know, I, I, I knew what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then the, the, the only thing to do was to just, you know, express that to the best crew I could gather around me. Mm-hmm. And who knew way more than I did, and also to listen to them and their expertise, and and yeah, work in this team environment to to create this vision, you know, that we were all on the same page right. uh, as because you know this is you know what I expressed, this is the story, then this is how we're going to to make it come to life. And so then it was not unusual for you to move from short films to this full-length screenplay that you wrote called The Rescuer. So that, again, was another natural act for you. Well, weirdly, I haven't made that film. That is a novella that I wrote that I'm then made into a screenplay. So taking words from that, yeah, and then putting it into something, as you say, it's a sort of domino effect. So that screenplay, I was invited to this talent lab at TIFF, and you get into this talent lab with a feature written and maybe a, a few shorts under your belt. And some of them have already done features. But that year, one of the mentors was a guy named Cassian Elwes. And he uh, is a big producer. And he produced Bestsellers, my first feature film. So it's all... Uh, yeah, incestuous. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It just sort of like goes like this. So no, but he gave... he. So let me back up with with how, uh, wait, so I, I'm trying to think, because I want to talk about bestsellers so badly, I guess so I'm jumping towards that. In other words, your screenplay for Rescuer that yeah. won these honors has not been made into a film yet. No, it has not. Uh, but will? I don't know yet, because I'm almost happy to leave. Now I've got some other opportunities coming up. Maybe one day Rescuer will, it will happen. But uh-huh. um, yeah. So it's okay to be on the, not back burner, but off to the side. It is the okay. Timing. And I also have a fourth short film that I want to do that right now is also on the back burner. Mm-hmm. But I kind of feel like I, I took a different route than I expected. Yeah. I thought I was going to yeah. do, I did these three short films, part of a series. I was going to do a fourth short. And then I was going to do this feature called Rescuer, 
which is also similar in theme. Um, it's about kids uh, using imagination to solve their problems. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. But what happened instead was, yeah, I was invited to the TIFF Talent Lab. And for that, we had to, as I said, bring a, a feature film. That's how you're selected, a script. And then you also had to make a self-portrait short film about yourself. So all the uh, Talent Lab people had to do this. And yeah, it was terrifying. Nobody liked doing it. And then the mentors of the lab watched them. And as I said, one of the mentors was Cassian Elwes. And he loved my self-portrait. He completely was like, this is brilliant. I love it. And um, after the lab, he sent me the script for bestsellers. And he just said, what do you think of this? After At that point too, you'd already watched my other short films. And, and then, yeah, it sort of started from there. And bestsellers was a script that his daughter had found. And then, yeah, I read the script. I told them what I loved about it and what I thought we could work on. And uh, yeah, that was the beginning of uh, of a, an amazing journey. Yeah. yeah, this amazing journey we're going to focus on now because this is no small potatoes here. I watched the film. I thought it was terrific. I'm not going to deify the lead character, but <laughs> hello, Michael Caine. I mean, all you have to do is say the man's name and he could read the phone book. I know. And people would come see him. And yeah. so this is huge. How did you feel about that? Who decided that it was going to be Michael Caine who was going to star in this film? And did you feel at all any intimidation? Here, I'm projecting onto you. Because I think I would have been quaking in my boots. Are you kidding? Of course. I mean, I wouldn't wouldn't be a normal human being if I, there would be something wrong, terribly wrong with me if I didn't, I think. I think so, right. I think so too. I mean, so Cassian um, had done a film with Michael beforehand. and. Trust me, it wasn't me giving Michael Caine a call. I mean, like, oh, I'm some some unknown person from Canada uh, asking. But Michael was working with Cassian and Cassian gave him the script. And Michael read it and he loved it. And he loved the character. And then I think we had Michael before we had Aubrey. But this- this Aubrey is a young woman who plays the inheritor of her dad's publishing company. That's right, Aubrey Plaza. Back to, you know, when I found out that he said yes, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, my jaw is still on the floor. You know what I mean? It's sort of like, did that, did we do that? Did, did I get to do that with him? Did did he do that? Now that was it 2019. 20. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's taken a while because of COVID, you know, and everything. So we, that's when we shot and um, yeah, I can't really describe it. The first time I met him was also amazing. We we had we had a lunch together and stuff. And but then the first day that he came to the set, I mean everybody was you could feel the air vibrating with anticipation. Huh? You know? <laughs> everybody was just like, okay, this is it. Here he comes. You know, yeah. Everybody was was ready and waiting. And and yeah, I was of course I was nervous and really uh worried about it and insecure. And also of course like uh, along the the themes of the film that's thinking myself as a fraud why do i deserve this can i do this who why am i even how how did this happen like what this is crazy what he's he's cassian's insane why did he ever think that i could you know all the all those absolutely yes oh my Mm -hmm. god Mm -hmm. you know and still and still not completely understanding like what how i i got there but 
sooner than later, I realized too, I thought, oh, you know, everybody's nervous, you know, like, and, and then immediately within a couple hours, I thought, okay, I mean, including the actors, you know, even it doesn't matter who you are, what's a stage of life you are. You're trying to just make it happen. You're trying to do what you can't, you're, and, uh, he's such a generous man and an authentic person that he wants to do well, you know, after every take, you look at me and say like, is that all right, love? You know, oh is my that God. okay? Because you know? this is a man who could clearly rest on his laurels and on some level phone it in. I mean, like I said, he could read the freaking phone book. Yeah, you know? he could, but he doesn't. He is, he is a, a, a complete professional and we would work together. You know, if he wasn't comfortable with saying a, a, a certain line or a word, we say, mm-hmm. I, I don't understand, you know, then I'd give him something else to try. And then, okay, well, how about, what about, the, and then we would talk about it and, oh yeah, okay, this, and yes, okay, I get that. All right, we could work together. And then this sort of fear and anxiety kind of went out the window. It was more like, oh, now we're, we're, we're just working together. We're just doing a job. We're trying to get to the bottom of something together, you know? So and, on some level, again, with my putting words in your mouth, would you call bestsellers a natural act for you and the next step for you, even though that may have taken your breath away initially? When Michael and Shakira, his wife, watched the film um, for the first time, and they told, they called me to tell me how much they loved it, how much it mean to them. I thought, okay, my job is done. You know, I, I got I got nothing else, you know, I'm Who gives a shit what the reviewers think, right? I'm done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right. Like, this is really, this is all that matter. Like, Mm. I'm completely humbled. I I did, you know, what I could. And this is the ultimate for me. And I think for them, too, because it, it was, it's a kind of a personal film, too, for him, this time of his life. Um, So there's a lot about it that that is really meaningful. And I think it does really make sense the way it came about the time that it happened in my life. And it probably couldn't have gone another way somehow. I don't know why things happen the way they do, but this one did feel like, okay, after the first few hours, it felt like, okay, this is, this is as it, as it should be. I mean, obviously there's problems that happen on set and things go wrong and things you wish you had done differently. And, and, you know, all that stuff that will last forever. All the filming was in the UK? No, it was in Montreal. Oh, okay. So he came over. He came over to Montreal in snowy, cold, wintry, (laughs) frigid Montreal. Mm -hmm. Bless him. This is a big deal for Michael Caine, as well as for us. I think so too, because I also think roles like that for men and women of a certain age just don't exist. I mean, the the whole, the whole role, I mean, the whole film, you know, like, um, to maybe there's a cameo or there's a couple of days here, a couple of days there, but for a character to kind of move through a whole film like this is, it doesn't come along so much. And also I'd say some people categorize it as a comedy, but I, I don't think it's a comedy. It's, it's, it's a comedy and a drama. Like there's, there's more to it than just like a funny romp, uh, like road trip kind of thing. You know, there's, right. there's, there's some, Deep well, there's the and- awkwardness and the naivete, which brings smiles to everybody's face. Like the young woman who <laughs> thought that she could pull this off, but so what? She's going to make it work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think um, for him to 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 do a role like that was 
was was also like a fun challenging experience for him and to watch him work my god he's he's so good he's so good <laughs> the way he looks with his eye kind of turn whatever it is like any small detail he's was that an intimidation for you to say no i think you should do it this way the first day absolutely i mean the first year but then as i said then we 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 gained a report because he was so generous. So then I could say, okay, that was great. You know, but how, okay, this time, like, let's just try it this way. It was never, oh, I need you to do it like that. But I don't, I, that's not how I work anyway. It's more, you know, how would you feel? Yeah, it's more collaborative. Like, why don't we try it like this? Or, or, you know what? I, I have a feeling like in this situation, perhaps, you know, uh, they might also be feeling this layer. Right. Or, right. or like, why don't you pay attention over there? Just pointing things out or a suggestion like, oh, why don't you try spitting here or something mm-hmm, like you know mm-hmm. and just see how that works or like okay instead you throw it and then and just like little suggestions and of course they're free to be like no that's not right for me or or i'd oh but you know majority of the time they're like, yeah i'll try it and sometimes that works you know it's great and if it doesn't that's okay too so it's more like okay suggesting it's sort of steering steering a ship it's like guiding carefully caringly hopefully yeah were you ever intimidated by being the boss on the set. And I don't mean with Michael Caine. I've talked to a lot of female yeah. filmmakers and not for nothing, it's that's exhilarating, the ubiquity now. I mean, you guys are not a rare commodity. We still have a long way to go, but there's so many women directors out there. But on the other hand, there are there's that mindset, what, what am I taking, you know, orders from this woman? I'm not, and I'm not talking about Michael Caine I just mean yeah with the crew you're the head honcho here you know yeah 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 no absolutely it's kind of weird because being on a set I've been on set tons of times as an actor so on a set there's already a built hierarchy when you're an actor you have a certain level of people are looking out for you caring for you bring you coffee all the time or they're they you know you're walking outside and and there's one raindrop and before you know there's somebody there with an umbrella over your head and you're like what uh, it's okay I can hold it myself and they're like no no you can't <laughs> so yeah, all right mm-hmm. yeah but then the flip side of thing is yeah of course to you're not the commander but you're you're the leader you're you're the person who you know you're you're the your, captain you're, you're the, the captain, captain of, the, of ship. the ship absolutely my general sense of things is I like to listen. I will listen to everybody. You know, everybody gets an opinion. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone can, can tell me how they feel, but I will, I have no problem making the decision of what I believe is, is right or not. You know what I mean? And that's, it's really more about that. I can make a choice on the set pretty quickly if I think that, oh, we have to move in this direction and this is what it's going to be. And just, okay, no, this isn't working. We're going to move this way. When you're in the flow of things, or if you know the story, if you've done your homework, which I think is really, really important, then it goes all out the window. But if you really know the sense of what what you're trying to tell, then, you know, then you should have the confidence to kind of, you need to back it up. Well, that's your roadmap. That is your road. You know, you need that. And if you don't have that, then you're fumbling on the set. Then you're like, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And that, that's disaster for everybody. Right. That That's like a domino effect. You can't right. be in that position. You're you're constantly solving problems. You're taking care of everybody and, and also solving the problems, you know? So I'm the first time director. Tell me what Hello. you think. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, like, give me some uh-huh. advice, like not advice, but okay. What should I do about this? Right. I would like to do it this way. Is that okay? And well, maybe, yes, we can, but we'll have to do it this way because of this. Okay, great. You know, I mean, 
But who's I, telling you that? Who are you asking that of? Oh, I'm asking if it's my cinematographer or I'm mm-hmm. saying, or my first AD. I'm like, I really want mm-hmm. to finish this. Mm-hmm. Like, can I, I, I want to do this. And they will do everything they can in their power to make it work. They've got expertise that I don't. Or if I didn't like something, I mean, I have to say so. <laughs> I mean, there's just no choice. It's like, that's it, you know? But at the same time, this collaborative idea where if you have an opinion, if there's something bothering you, you come to me and we'll try to work it out, you know? I wonder how common that is on a film set. Uh, you know, you think in your head that you've got all these divas running around and, you know, you're not going to tell me what to do. But this is so refreshing in spite of the fact, again, that you've got this massive heavyweight in the lead role. Just be real with yourself and with everybody else. And that's the only way you can make it better. I mean, if you really think that you've got all the answers, then go home. You know, like, what? why are you then? What's the point? You know, right. Was it a no brainer? in terms of casting, that it was going to be him? Oh, the original script had somebody younger, I think. Oh, interesting. Yeah. When we first thought about it, it was like, yeah, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. I mean, it was more, well, will he want to do it? And then how are we going to kind of change the scripts and work with the script to make it work for him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um you love to feel that you're vibrant and alive and important at 88 and that you're not marginalized because you're of a certain age. I mean, that I mean, that so resonated with me, aside from the whole story. That was really important for me to yeah. see him on the yeah, screen. But I guess it's part of the story, too, in a way, because his character is this, you know, old author who's yeah. kind of, you know, been left to his own devices and in the cobwebs of history. And then he's kind of brought out into light again, like, oh. Here's why he's relevant. Here's why, you know, he still has a voice. But he's a very bitter man and you understand that. And then to find uh, who he who he really is underneath that bitter, right. um, you know, casing of, of resentment that he's, that he's worn. like a That cult. he has really manufactured. <laughs> yeah. How long did it take to make the movie? We only had like 25 days to shoot it. Wow. So it was so fast. And oh yeah, and we haven't spoken probably enough about Aubrey, but she was also so great. Yes, in I'm film. not marginalized. Yeah, explain yeah. her character, please. Yeah. I marginalize her. No, not at all. Because obviously Michael is is a genius, but Aubrey is is also really really talented. I just I just wanted to say before we end it too, because the two of them, you know, it worked really well together. She takes over the reins of her father's business of the publishing company once he passes away, and you watch her. I mean, she has a sense of what she's doing, but on the other hand, we're with her as she's trying to figure this all out. And yeah, there's there's no one in the film that you that you don't connect to. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I read the review in Variety. They really loved you, kiddo. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that was nice. Um, it was nice. I'm sure, like you know, I, I don't know people. Some people will love it and some people won't, you know? Well, that's life. I mean, who cares? Yeah, I guess. But like I said, I'm just, I know that Michael and Shakira do. And I think to me, that's really important. Yeah. Have you on some level felt like you died and gone to heaven? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what a great experience. I don't know. I don't know if that will happen again. Of course it won't. But, but you're so eclectic. There's a versatility. It may not have to be that you're going to, that your next project is going to be directing a, a feature. You may be 
writing a book or you may that's be making true. a documentary. I mean, what don't you do for God's oh, sake? Oh, that's nice. Um, I'm not nice. I'm not nice. It's no? just <laughs> Well, you're acting very well. Acting oh, then good. Great, great, great work. Um, <laughs> I'll have my agent reach out to you. <laughs> yes. Um, right now, I actually do have two directing projects on the table and they were with the same producers that did bestsellers. So that's obviously a great sign um, that everybody wants to work together again. And they're both really, really different projects. And yeah, they're both for directing. One is a more commercial action sci-fi film. And one is a period piece um, that is about an, uh, an athlete during the Second World War. So they're really, they're really, really different, but they're both quite exciting. And then, yeah, I've also thought to myself, oh, maybe I, I just, as you said, maybe I have died and gone to heaven or an equivalent of that. And I should just, you know, go to Europe and live in a cave and write a book or something for the rest <laughs> of my life. And uh, yeah, so who knows? I'll let you know. I'll send you a postcard. But um, no, do you want to act? Do you want to include oh, yeah, that in your future? Course, of course, that too. I really, I really, um, I really miss it. And it sounds funny, but I feel like after being on this side of things, and watching Michael and Aubrey, I learned a lot from those guys also in, in lots of different ways. So, mm-hmm. and it's really, it's really fun to be able to be on that side of the camera and then to kind of walk away from it. There's so much on your shoulders when you're directing a film and then carrying it into the future, into an audience. Um, but when you're an actor, you can kind of let it go. You know, you can kind of like, take it off and, and, uh, move, move on. You're not still, hopefully you're not still dreaming about it, you know, a year later. <laughs> so. What is it like for you as we wind down our conversation to look back at that 12 year old who was so impacted by the role that she played in school? What do you feel when you go back in your head? I guess I would have to feel, I mean, I guess I'm proud of her, <laughs> you know? Uh, oh, it's weird. Cause now I can really, maybe this is my, I, I can put myself there, you know, that's part of what I've been trained to do, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, and I can get a bit emotional about it. If I think about it that way, I, I haven't, but yeah, cause who knew that that feeling that she had like this real strong feeling would have brought her all these opportunities and, and all these ups and downs, but, and all this, this, this weird road, I don't think I could have ever imagined um, being where I'm at now, but at the same time, looking at her conviction and her real need to do something, to tell something, then, then, wow, she's, she's come a long way um, and made her own story on her way. So, yeah. The seed was planted and then cultivated into this wow. big, beautiful oh, tree. Seriously. <laughs> oh. No, I don't suffer fools gladly. I mean, I may be gushing, but I really feel very strongly about that. You sort of rattle these things off like I would say, yeah, I'm going to go to the supermarket tomorrow and then maybe later I'll ride my bike. You're writing a book, you're starring in a play. I'm not deifying you, but it's just you had a sense and you weren't stuck in anything. You were. I'll try this and maybe I'll try that. And maybe that's a real testament to your parents and, and the way you were brought up, but it shows and look at what 
what's part of your DNA and who you are today. Own that. You have to own that, Lena. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. You're right. <laughs> You're probably right, Sandy. I just, yeah, it's it's so easy to kind of dismiss stuff. And then I think, well, it doesn't mean that that book is going to be good. It doesn't mean that play is good. It doesn't mean, you know, but I guess the point is like, right, you just do it. Exactly. Well, it was such a pleasure to meet and get to know you, Lena. I just wish you continued success. I say to everyone that they must see bestsellers. It's it's a wonderful, heartwarming yeah. <laughs> movie. And it was so great to see Michael Caine on screen with all his um, <laughs> kind of mishigas of being angry and and then doing a complete 180. It was it, it, It's terrific, really. Yeah. And it was such a pleasure to meet and get to know you. Awesome. It was really great to talk to you, Sandy, as well. Thank you. There's always time for a part two. Anything you hey, want to come back to and talk I would love that. about, that would, be, that would be a given. I would love that. So, Lena Rosslers, thank you so much. Again, it was great to meet you. Thank you. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. 